0: Hello, I'm Martijn Graat, and this is Does Logistics Matter? A podcast on trends and innovations in supply chain and logistics. Answering yes to the question today are Rick Roeske and Edwin Weenink of Heart Hyperloop. On this episode, we talk about Hyperloop as a new modality and how it will completely change supply chains as we know them. Please enjoy my conversation with Rick Roeske and Edwin Weenink. Rick, Edwin, um, uh, welcome to uh, the podcast. Uh, uh, My first question is always, does logistics matter?
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Logistics
0: matters, definitely. Good, good. Then you guys are on the right show. Uh, For the listeners, uh, uh, please introduce yourselves.
2: Yeah, my name is uh, Rick Roeske. I uh, now work uh, uh, more than a year at Hart Hyperloop, and I'm the project manager of uh, the Loop Holland project. And uh, uh, that's our uh, uh, project that uh, I think we're going to talk about in the upcoming uh, minutes or hours, maybe. <laughs> For sure, it's a, it's a subject that we can talk hours about.
1: Hello, my name is Edwin Weenig. I'm a senior advisor at Heart, um, and I have a background in logistics and supply chain.
0: Good um uh, well uh, the company is called heart Hyperloop uh, after a uh, uh, hyperloop the uh, invention by Elon Musk um, um, so um, what is what is uh,
2: a heart? So hard is the Dutch uh, company uh, that is uh, working on the Hyperloop technology. Uh, we are just uh, over the phase of a startup and now we are a uh, scale-up and we are a company with about 40 people located in Delft and we are uh, well let's so to say responsible to get uh, the Hyperloop working uh, uh, in, uh, in Europe. This company started in 2017 when four students uh, won one of the uh, Hyperloop competitions uh, organized by Elon Musk. They came back uh, from the United States with the idea to uh, uh, definitely do something more with uh, Hyperloop than only winning this competition. So they started the company Heart, Heart Hyperloop. Uh, and by then, this startup uh, grew until what we now are. Uh, and now we are basically developing a whole ecosystem in, uh, in the Netherlands, but definitely also outside of the borders of the country to, uh, to get the Hyperloop from the ground. And that means on one hand that we are uh, uh, pushing uh, the technology to be developed, but on the other hand also uh, make sure that uh, we, uh, we are able to well, let's say to build the system. So to to make sure that there is a, a spatial integration possible of Hyperloop, that there is an ecosystem that is working, that we standardize the technique. So much more than only developing the technique, but more to really, Get it from the ground.
0: Okay. Uh, can you explain uh, the, the
2: the technology behind Hyperloop? So, what's the idea behind the 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 hyper, the Hyperloop? Yeah, Hyperloop basically combines three different techniques into one transportation modality. The first type of technique that we use is uh, uh, is a magnet levitation system that allows the vehicles to travel without any uh, friction uh, uh, inside uh, inside the system, and that's very advantageous when you compare it, for example, with trains or trucks. They, uh, they always make contact with, uh, with the rails or the road, and that causes a lot of uh, energy loss when uh, when you are accelerating or driving at, uh, at high speed. The second advantage that we have is that we uh, use a low-pressure environment, and this low-pressure environment reduces the amount of air friction and therefore also causes uh, a, a very low use of uh, of, of energy to transport uh, via the Hyperloop system. And the third advantage is that you are in a protected environment, so you don't have any problems with, for example, leaves on the tracks or uh, snow on the road, or uh, uh, any other um, well, cause that would, would would cause delay in the system because you're completely protected uh, from uh, from from the weather, from other external conditions. Uh, and these three things combined together is what we call hyperloop, and that's what we're developing here. So, and and when we talk
0: about hyperloop, that's the name of the the, the full system. Yeah, and and when you talk about cargo loop, that's a, a hyperloop system in which you don't transport people. Because I guess that was the original uh, thought that that Elon Musk had of, of transporting
2: people, um, but in the cargo loop concept, we're transporting cargo. Yeah, that's correct. I would say that Cargo Loop is a a specific application of Hyperloop technology, but indeed, as you explained, dedicated towards cargo uh, transportation. And uh, we thought that if you could transport people via the Hyperloop system, why not uh, Cargo? So we thought about Cargo Hyperloop, which uh, can easily be said as uh, Cargo Loop.
0: (laughs) Nice. So you are looking into a uh, first full scale Uh, hyperloop trajectory in the netherlands and it's a trajectory running from uh, schiphol airport to the port of rotterdam
2: more or less yes we started um, i I must say that uh, indeed this is a a part of the trajectory that we are currently looking at but it's part of a a broader development that is uh, uh, might be uh, nice to describe so um if you look to where we are now as a company but also as a as a nation towards hyperloop development we see that we are um on the next stage of developing the Hyperloop uh, system. And therefore, we launched recently the Hyperloop development program. And this program is uh, a a whole range of developments in the upcoming years that will take place in the Netherlands to get the Hyperloop to the market. And as part of this Hyperloop development program, for example, is our test center in Groningen that we can speak about uh, later on as well, but also uh, a project that we call uh, the Cargo Loop Holland and loop Holland is my project. I'm the project leader of this uh, uh, this uh, this project. And within loop Holland are all the researches that we need to do uh, to show the feasibility of loop in the Netherlands. And as part of that, so we go from the top of the umbrella all the way down, we see that uh, one of the possible tracés uh, uh, that we can follow is indeed from Schiphol towards uh, Rotterdam, but uh, two or three other ones that are in the same study are, for example, to go from the Maasvlakte to the Westland, uh, from the westland uh, uh, towards rotterdam to the to the fruit and vegetable hubs that are located south of the city but also towards for example the port of amsterdam uh, towards uh, Aalsmere, uh, which has uh, very big logistics centers so what we basically try to do is to combine different logistics centers and different main ports uh, together uh, in this program in the hyperloop uh, sorry in the cargo loop holland program and in that program we are going to show the, the basically the feasibility of this cargo loop project hmm. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So, what what are the uh, what, what are the main what are the main benefits? You, you spoke about. Uh, well, there's always the, in the Netherlands the the. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I, I must laugh when I think about the leaves on the tracks. Oh You yes. know, if it's <laughs> autumn, there are leaves on the tracks, and then suddenly the trains uh, go crazy. Yeah. Uh, when there's snow and ice, there's uh, sometimes trucks can't move. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so obviously those are are some some benefits. Yeah. Um. Are there are there other?
2: Oh, we always like to think that leaves on the tracks is a very Dutch problem. Uh, actually, it's it, it's not. But uh, let's let's pause that for another uh, <laughs> another podcast that we yeah. can talk hours about. Uh, but perhaps we can uh, ask Edwin to answer this uh, this question because he is our senior logistics expert yeah thank you Rick. um
1: I think the the main advantages of this system is uh, first of all the speediness uh, the, you can travel uh, way faster through uh, through the let's say well, the cargo what was the speed well we we, uh, we presume that it will be somewhere around between 150 until 400 kilometers but uh, it heavily depends of course on the route and the distance. Uh, that's that's one part uh i think also the 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 assurance that you goods will arrive at a certain time is way better because i think you also mentioned already the point of leaves but we also have a lot of congestion in the netherlands yeah which also causing problems um, and I think Rick already mentioned it in when he started uh, uh, his explanation about cargo loop. You don't have any influence of the weather, so if if it's snowy or it's it's very hot or these type of effects, you also will not have. So we we think that is a huge benefit. And what you could actually also do by using the system is change the way you organize your logistics because we are able, let's say, to send more small volumes uh, at the same cost as a full truck. So which basically also gives you the opportunity to get more flow into your supply chain and in your, your logistics. So we, we, we really think that this is a game changer in the way you can organize your, your logistics from A to Z.
0: Hmm. And if we if we compare uh, the, the 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 size of a of a of a cargo loop unit, if we compare that to a truck, uh, is it is it smaller, is it bigger? No, it's way smaller. We think that uh,
1: on average, uh, every every bot will contain, uh, let's say, two pellets, two full pellets. Oh, okay. So it's, it's way smaller. It's uh, it's it doesn't. It's more or less the size of a of a small pickup or a van, something okay. like
0: that. Okay. Oh, I had this idea of like a uh, truck-sized uh, things, but you you need a much smaller tube as well. So it's it's it's. Uh it's easier to uh, uh, to to create it if yeah. the if the pots are smaller. Yeah. It yeah. Is if if
1: you look at the pot size, then uh, it is. We think that the tube size. Okay, the pot size is in the tube, of course, but the tube will be around some somewhere between the two meters ten. So uh, so you can imagine that you also have to work with your different buildup of your pellets, of course, because it's round. So at mm-hmm. the end you will have you have to you are transporting half pellets. But um, but of course, two half pallets also full pallets. So in that sense, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but but we we envision ex- exactly the point that you have, let's say, uh, more smaller pots being delivered uh, f- in in fast frequencies. Actually, has the same effect as a truck. And if you look at the let's say uh, uh, the capacity, then you can actually have these pots very close to each other in the tube that actually uh, has
0: the same capacity as a truck in the same amount of time okay so it's going to be a system with a lot of a lot of parts in there yes. yes yes so it's it is it almost if you look at these so I, I'm getting this image in my head of uh, a package sorting center. Uh, in which these these packages move close to each other and and they are uh, well not in, not on tubes but on uh, on, conveyor uh, on, on conveyor belts. Thank you. I was looking for the word, uh, and they're they're shot into all sorts of directions. Is that uh, is that
2: the idea? Yeah. yeah, if you look to the vision, what we have, we say as hard that our vision is to connect the whole continent with uh, in the year 2050. So all the supply chains in Europe will be connected via Hyperloop. And then I always envision a picture in my head with like big arteries over the whole continent where the, 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 the vehicles, the pods will follow up at very close uh, uh, distance to each other. So a very high capacity. Uh, basically, you can also envision like a highway with on and off ramps. And then when a vehicle can gets closer to its destination it's it's uh, it's leaving the the highway the highway hyperloop the highway cargo loop and then it comes in a in a more uh, dense but slower uh, local network, so to say, where it travels perhaps at lower speeds towards its destination. So I think the comparison that you make with uh, with this conveyor belt in which the, the the parcels or the suitcases or whatever is transported over it go at very high speed in one direction. But when they get close to the destination, they are taken out of this main system and come into a more local system. And I think that's the same way that the, the bolt operation will also work when we have the whole cargo loop uh, operational, definitely. Okay
0: and uh, um, so uh, are there are there more than one party in uh,
2: Europe working on a, uh, a hyperloop or, or cargo loop system now we are uh, uh, indeed more commercial parties now working uh, in Europe and uh, uh we, we see that as an advantage because in this way we can also work together to uh, to standardize the technique and the whole system. So via the European Union and also via the, the, the partners in other countries, we are looking uh, to work together on developing this whole technique because we well, we've seen in the past too often that if you don't standardize from the beginning you will result in a, <laughs> well basically just in different systems. Uh, I always like to mention the example of a train going from the Netherlands towards Belgium that has to change uh, different uh, catenaries at the border and even worse if you go to Spain then the, the rails are further apart than they are in the Netherlands. So Yeah, that was I was thinking about. Yeah, 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 indeed. And now we have the opportunity to uh, to, to not do this again, to not make this. Well, I wouldn't call it a mistake because if you look back in the history why these systems grow the way they are nowadays, we can't call that a mistake because it was just the way it was. But now we have the opportunity to do this right from the beginning. So we're actively looking uh, to the Cargo Loop or the, the Hyperloop companies uh, over the continent and to to standardize our technique and we at heart we say we first focus on getting cargo loop to the market and that's our strategy to finally bring the passenger hyperloop also to the market with the same technology of course
0: yeah and uh would that be would 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 passengers uh, in your vision be in the
2: same system as the cargo or or are those different tubes is is that bigger or Yeah, we think that the technique that we will use will will be the same because that's the Hyperloop uh, technique, of course. But uh, at this moment, we are not, well, I don't dare to say that yes or no, that the system is the same size, but I think the passenger system indeed will be bigger. So that means you will have two different uh, Hyperloop systems next to each other. So a big tube for the passenger transportation and a smaller tube for the cargo loop transportation. Um, And then... People normally often say in this point of the discussion, oh, isn't that weird? And then I'm always explaining that if you look to a highway, then trucks are often uh, in the way of passenger cars because they drive at different speeds, have different uh, uh, characteristics of of driving and going from destinations to other destinations. Um, So I don't think it has to be a problem. And as a matter of fact, I actually believe that if you separate the systems, you can get a more beneficial system for transportation of passengers because they often go from city center to city center and a more optimized uh, transport option for cargo because they often don't go from city center to city center, but more from a logistic hub to another logistic hub. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And to add on that, I think uh, if you even look at the railroads today, I think the expansion uh, actually of freight on railroads is in most cases uh, not taking place due to the fact that you already have a lot of passengers trains on those tracks. And uh, that, that does not mix with the, the, the cargo trains. So, uh, and by separating them, like uh, Rick explained, is that I think you don't have that uh, problem anymore because you have two different systems. So, and I think this, this would actually help developing both modalities or part of the, the, the modalities in a better way for the future
0: you mentioned uh the westland mm-hmm. which is which is flowers and, and vegetables and, and fruit um is is that the, the 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 first uh focus does it make the most sense to to uh to do those products or
2: yeah if you see what uh, westland now contributes uh, to the to the to the dutch economy and if you see what kind of transport challenges they have but also will face in the in the future then it indeed makes sense to focus on the westland area as a start so that's why we're also actively looking uh, uh, to collaborate with parties that are uh, located in the westland but as well towards the the, the main ports where the transport uh, uh, for example overseas take uh, uh, take place so um, yeah, it's very important to to start somewhere where, the, where it actually does make sense to do so. On the other hand, it's also a very big challenge to start in the Westland because it's a very uh, a densely built area with the greenhouses and the logistics, uh, the buildings that are already there and also with, uh, well, a lot of uh, uh, big c- cities or villages at least. So it's a very challenging area to, uh, to start this development, but uh, uh, a very exciting one as well.
0: Yeah. And I recently read an article that uh, Elon Musk uh, told the, I think it was the mayor of Miami, that for 30 million, he would uh, bore a tunnel with his boring company, which is a a great name, (laughs) the boring company, um, that he would do a two mile tunnel for 30 million. And before that, the the transit uh, authority had made calculations and it would cost, well, a, a billion. At yeah. least, um, is the idea for uh, uh, for Hyperloop to be largely underground or above ground or? or-
2: yeah, well, at first I definitely admire the uh, uh, the positiveness of uh, of Mr. Musk. I think it's great that you can uh, uh, challenge the the existing world and and, and engineering companies and uh, also your own companies to come up with such uh, such new ideas. Uh, so we're also of course looking to uh, to how they do that. And if we look to this case uh, specifically, uh, a part of the Cargo Loop Holland project is indeed the spatial integration of uh, of the Cargo Loop. And the last thing we want is. Having uh, The hyperloop going uh, through through narrow streets, through neighborhoods where people have the the tube in their backyards, uh, so to say. So that's something that uh, definitely will not take uh, take place, will happen, and it's also not what we are used to in our Dutch way of doing spatial integration, because we have a very uh, traditional and very uh, nice way of uh, of building our country. We, we 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 let's say we designate zones where you can develop different activities, and uh, we are very proud on this. We're also internationally uh, known for having this urban planning, uh, uh, spatial planning uh, 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 way of doing this. And uh, I think a big part of this pre-feasibility study is indeed to see how you can actually uh, uh, integrate the Hyperloop in the existing uh, uh, built environment. Uh, because if you see how we can construct Hyperloop, it, it doesn't really matter if for the technology if we put it underground or above ground. So the system uh, is not accessible to, to humans, so you don't have to have like emergency exits or surface tunnel next to it. So it's very easy to build the system underground mm-hmm. where you have to go underground. Uh, think about a, a sewer system for example the, the, the ground is already filled with sewer systems with the same diameter as the as we envision the cargo loop system but for the same reason we can go above ground as well and there's also an extra advantage that we didn't mention in the beginning of, uh, of, of the podcast but uh, the, the tube of the hyperloop is basically already its own infrastructure so where for example for a train you need an extra viaduct or you need to build a tunnel or you build uh, need to build another piece of, of, of civil engineering uh, infrastructure infrastructure for the hyperloop we can just say okay we have the the tube and that that's already the infrastructure itself it's already its own viaduct or its own tunnel so therefore it must be very easy to integrate this either underground or above ground and of course we go underground wherever necessary
0: okay
1: actually i wanted to add some to something else which you mentioned before Uh, if uh, um, because you're questioning about the westland I think if you look at the westlands and if you see the dense population uh, it's 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 called a glass city as you know you know there are a lot of activities taking place over there but there's also a lot of truck movement so if you are only only look at let's say the truck movements for the fruits and the vegetables or for the flowers and the plants it's enormous in that area so we really think by uh, starting perhaps one of the first routes from the Westland, for instance, to Maasvlakte or vice versa, then uh, actually we can contribute to the to the liveliness uh, uh, liveliness of the of that area for the people who live there. So uh, to put it in your words, I think logistics matters. Then you know it really makes the difference <laughs> uh, in these type of solutions for these type of urban surroundings. So. Uh, so we, we feel confident that we can contribute to that and really solving some of the already very long and difficult problems of uh, reachability of that area. They have tried all kinds of projects like Fresh Corridor, et cetera, uh, to, to remove the containers from the, from the roads. And that's, that has been until now very difficult because you still have that very, very long last and first mile. And I think the, the, the interesting thing about uh, Cargeloo is actually that you can build the tubes until, let's say, the logistic hubs like an ABC Westland or an land. You, you can build it until there. So you're already for the last and for, uh, first mile, you're already on that premises. And I think that integration makes, uh, makes also the system very unique, where you cannot do that very easily, for instance, with a train or, or a barge or, or even with roads, because you cannot put roads anywhere. And like Rick already also mentioned, of course, uh, some parts we can just put on the ground and
2: you don't see it anymore. So I think that's also a huge benefit. think about the advantage of road safety if you can take so many trucks off the roads and uh, you will prevent so many causes in which for example a cyclist could be hit by a truck it's like really much uh, yeah for sure
0: sure. Uh, uh, rick you mentioned that um, uh, there's a uh, large group of companies and organizations uh, now working on on uh, the feasibility uh, study for an actual cargo loop uh, can, can you tell some more about that?
2: Yeah, uh, we uh, we as heart we are working with forty people together here, uh, and we know quite much about hyperloop development and also a little bit about logistics now due to uh, the contribution of Edwin. But uh, of course, we don't have all the knowledge uh, uh, in this house to uh, to develop such a system. So one of the most important uh, uh, pillars, or maybe even the foundation of this whole Cargo Loop Holland project, is is working together with uh, all sorts of stakeholders that. Mm. Uh, that do have a, a different stake in this, in this system or at least play a role in developing or building or operating a cargeloop system. So uh, one of the first steps that we took is to, to form a big consortium of, of uh, stakeholders in the Cargeloop Holland project that want to work together with us on this feasibility study. So we reached out to, uh, for example, shippers, to uh, main ports, to uh, municipalities, to provinces, uh, to all sorts of uh, uh, interest organizations, and we uh, asked them to join us doing this, uh, um, uh, this loop Holland study. So basically, we asked them to sign a covenant with us, and this this covenant could be seen as a as a letter of moral support in which they state that they do believe in the development of, of loop in the Netherlands, uh, and also to help us out with, with providing knowledge from their side uh, into this uh, 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 research that we're going to do. So we didn't uh, start the research yet, but we had a kickoff uh, early January in which the uh, by now uh, 30 uh, stakeholders uh, uh, together uh, expressed their uh, their interest in doing this together with us. And it, it really makes me proud. I'm, I'm super happy. I'm super proud uh, uh, on that. Uh, on, on what we reached with this uh, with this uh, group of parties and also with their enthusiasm, I always say that um, it's it's very easy to not uh, join at this moment because so much is unknown. We're really going into a path that we, well, we we don't really know where it is going to because there's so much research that needs to be done. But these by now thirty uh, covenant parties said, okay, we we see that uh, we don't know everything yet, but we're willing to invest a little bit of time into finding out where this can go to, and that makes me super happy. And if you look to the names of the parties that that signed by now, th- these are really, really big ones, important ones, uh, very small ones, family ones. Uh, um, um but also uh, governments that say okay we want to play a role in this for example the uh, the province of South Holland province of North Holland Schiphol a uh, uh, a few very big uh, uh, shippers that are located either in the Westland or in Almere. for example the Dutch Flower Group uh, Flores Agora uh, who else Edwin yeah, well, we have a lot of companies like
1: uh, and Orange, uh, yeah. Best uh, Fresh Group, uh, let's say, uh, also the Greenery. So I think um, important players for us to really understand what the requirements should be for such a concept. Yeah. I think uh, Rick already mentioned standardization, which is always very important. But still, if you're going to build, let's say, a new system which does not fulfill the needs of the people who should use it or the companies who should use that, then you have a dead system the people will never work with it you know so it should be we we, yeah, we will ask questions out what what will be sizing what should be the temperature control this type of thing but also about how can we integrate it in your in your operations because especially the the interoperability of these type of systems is is, is so important because if the system cargo loop does not fit into the current way of doing their business then it will never succeed so and therefore i think I, 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 I'm fully with Rick, that he said I'm, I'm very proud on that. Uh, not on what we have achieved yet, but on the fact that we have a consortium where we can build a feasible system with, because they have the knowledge and they can help us and support us in building this system in such a way that you don't uh, build a, a, a solution where at the end everybody says, it's a fantastic technical solution, but in, in my way of doing business, I cannot use it. so and this is exactly what we want to overcome so technology is very good and we have a lot of intelligent people working with art but also together with let's say the main stakeholders in the industry we should be able to fire to work on a on a really fantastic uh, uh, system for the future mm-hmm. uh, so and I, i'm very
2: happy with that also yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, perhaps the names we mentioned before sound a little bit abstract but if you buy an apple at a uh, at a big supermarket mm-hmm. very big chance said it will be transported with hyperloop if if this consortium uh, succeeds so that's how, that's how tangible it can get, tangible it can get
0: so yeah, you are actually
2: creating a completely new
0: modality uh, and uh it's uh, yeah it makes perfect sense that all parties are uh, yeah. are, are getting involved. Yeah. So you were you were saying uh when you eat an apple it will be transported uh via cargo loop. Mm-hmm. So w- when do you think I can eat my first cargo loop uh transported apple? Ah. Um i won't hold you to it
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, okay <laughs> but 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 just you know oh, with this disclaimer <laughs>
0: i think i think people would like to know yeah. uh, you know when when will we when will the first goods be transported via hyper for via cargo loop
2: hyperloop do you think yeah. i always learned from uh, from edwin sitting uh, sitting left of me or obviously you can't see that if you listen to this postcard see but he's sitting left of me he always says a good idea is uh, is developed within three days what do you always say, Edwin? I always say good- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really pay attention to what he said. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Okay, thank you, Rick. I always say good concept, you most likely need uh, like three weeks to work out a good project. You need, let's say, six months, but uh, the implementation
2: will take you nine years. Nine years. Yes, nine I knew years. that one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so if we count from today uh, plus nine years, it will be 2030. 2030. Yeah. Um, and that's why I always uh, I was making this joke, because we actually believe that we can have a first pilot route because we, we think we have to start with a, a beta route or a pilot route sure. uh, within like nine or 10 years from now. Um, when this feasibility study is finished, uh, we can take next steps towards uh, uh, development uh, of this first pilot route that we are going to identify as part of the feasibility study. And afterwards, uh, well, we can might already dream or think about construction of the system.
1: Yeah, to add on that, I think uh, the challenges in these type of systems is at the end of the day, never in the technology or in the process to get it it done. But really in the mental shift for people and organizations to work with this type of new solutions because they need to adapt. They need to adapt their operations. They need to adapt the sequence in, in ordering this type of thing. So it's at the end, not only, let's say, pure technical thing. I think technically we already proven that it can, it can it can do the it has the levitation it can change tracks. Uh, the only thing we could not prove until now is the speed. That is what we are going to do in Groningen. But I think you need to, you need to let's say incorporate in the current way of doing business. And so you need to let's say educate all everything again new in the supply chain how this modality will fit in. And that's a part of the nine years. Not only the building time, but also, let's say, this change. And I think um, uh, we learned a lot about innovation in supply chains. And I also did some projects in the last years. And, uh, and th- th- that's why I developed this rule of them. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, I think when we work together, and we already have so many people on board, which is actually very positive. Mm-hmm. Because actually the mental shift is already starting from the first workshop we are going to do with this group of people. Because then they will learn and we will learn from them. And then we can start to think how we can, let's say, adjust everything uh, in and around our operations, but also uh, in, 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 in cities, in provinces. And uh, make sure that, uh, that at the end, uh, in 10 years, you get your apple via the loop.
0: Yeah, nine. Nine, please. Nine. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm so excited about this. Nine years is long. Don't make it ten. <laughs> we okay.
1: will. I was, I was smuggling a little bit yeah. with this year, so at, okay, twenty thirty.
0: I'm still in twenty twenty one. So yeah. okay, you get it in nine years. Okay, so. cool. <laughs> no, I'm 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 very excited about this project. This is this is one of the one of the 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 yeah the most advanced new innovations that that's really gonna change uh, logistics and 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 how supply chains operate so um, i'm very much looking forward to, to see this project uh, uh, progress um yeah yeah uh, to
1: add on that i think one of the most exciting thing about this project is i think this is the first modality which actually able to cope with the changing demands from consumers so if you look at e-commerce where mm-hmm. you see this this actually these very small supply chains or or uh, purchasing change basically between the consumer and the producer which uh, basically you can buy something with nike today but if you look at logistics the logistics system behind it or below it is still still the old-fashioned way but with this system actually you can also change the supply chain and the logistics and i think that's the and actually then again it makes also sense again that you only have to fit in two or uh, perhaps two and a half pallets in, in, in one of such a bot because you can it, it immediately connect the producer with almost the consumer around the corner. And that's, I think there's a development which no other modality until now was able to fulfill that need. So that really makes it exciting for me uh, because I think the world is changing and we need also new logistics concepts which actually are able to cope with that change. Uh, and actually, we can also speed up other processes. Look at air freight, you know, air freight in, uh, in, in Europe, partly uh, a lot of, for instance, is trucked, for instance, even from Italy to, to skip all and then uh, intercontinental flown. Can you imagine the effect on, on the speediness or also for, for air, air freight? If you can send that package with a cargo loop to skip all, you, you save
0: days. yeah because that would take I mean at at top speed of of 400 kilometers an hour then uh, Uh, and it
1: doesn't (laughs) have to it doesn't have to stop because there are no drivers no so also from that perspective you know yeah from a legislation perspective you have huge uh, advantages and of course you get people then say that's bad for drivers because they lose their job but the problem is we have we don't have enough drivers anymore in this country so there's a there's a shortage of drivers so I think even in that sense this, this this this, this solution actually brings uh, 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 a solution to that problem. So
0: yeah and you know and, and there have been so many developments that, that people said this is gonna cost everybody their job and still ah. you know it's everybody gets different jobs.
1: No, we still need operators. We still need people who are loading and loading, let's say, the bots. And I think, to be quite uh, frank, I think the most crucial processes in transport are the unloading and loading. That that is where you, let's say, make the difference in, in, in either the product is damaged or not. So... We still need people there, um, and uh, so you get different jobs. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. And on a more general note, when it comes to hyperloop development program, if you see how how much effort and energy it took to until we could fly, or until we reached the the, the 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 train system that we have nowadays, or even if you see how much development there is still going on for for the automotive industry, I mean, there are so many reasons not to uh, to do hyperloop uh, or cargo loop or whatever loop you're thinking about. So, so, uh, therefore, it does make sense that we as a company, but also as an ecosystem are uh, putting research and effort into this. I mean, you can, I think, easily generate 999 ideas why you would not have to do this. So, we are having this one idea why we do want to have to do this, because we definitely believe in it. And yes, of course, there will be many struggles and many, uh, uh, well, difficulties on the, on the path from now until having this hyperloop completely working. But yeah we're just willing to do that and that makes uh, this journey super exciting and also to add
1: on that i think um, i think uh, one of the founders also from hart uh, did some research i think until 2050 we need 70,000 billion euros to invest in logistic systems so it's not mm-hmm. even in competition with the with the current modalities it's it's something we just need we need more capacity to transport goods from a to b we get more people on this planet yep. there's more demand for goods so and and that's why we also say it's not an or. It's not the uh, cargo loop is not replacing, let's say, trucks in that sense, the immediately, or let's say uh, trains. We we just see it as an end it's also adding to uh, the, the, the number of uh, possibilities which we need to actually to fulfill the need of the consumer still there will be enough goods which can be transported on the traditional more traditional way yeah so
0: the trucks that are freed up because yeah. they don't have to haul fruit and vegetables yeah. will, be, uh, it's uh, will be transporting other other materials yeah uh, my, my point is a capacity add-on we need
1: more uh, more transport capacity for the future And this is just another modality with their own characteristics, uh, which can help in, uh, let's say, also fulfilling the needs of our consumers for the future.
0: Great. It is. Yeah. Um, well, uh, as I said, I'm I'm very much uh, looking forward to, to eating that to eating that apple. <laughs> yeah. I'll be following this project with uh, with a lot of interest. Uh, Rick, uh, Edwin, um, thank you very much for your time and for for sharing this uh, this ex- yeah well this exciting uh, technology with us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's agree that uh, uh, from nine years of today we'll be eating that apple together. I think it's a very particular sound if you bite an apple. So. Uh, <laughs> podcast <laughs> nine years from today on will be will be that bite in the apple that Where we're, we're we'll do, uh, start, we'll together start with, with an apple. yes yeah and then
1: i will bring some flowers also <laughs> <which we're laughs> uh,
2: buy. flowers apples them. parcels whatever you like yeah. yeah great okay thank you for your time also thank you yeah great thanks
0: thank you thank you for listening to does logistics matter for more on trends and innovations in supply chain and logistics visit our blog on www.logisticsmatter.com this podcast was produced by Dimitri Vleugel. The music is based on a sample by A Ruggerman and produced by Michael Spengler. This episode was supported by Heart Hyperloop. Heart is a Delft-based scale-up developing the Hyperloop, creating an on-demand affordable transport system with which goods and people can travel with speed and ease, emission-free, safe and accessible to everyone.